What is the Podcast of Matrix? The Podcast of Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. Ah, modern dance. The efforts of the incredibly gifted, athletic, and often quirky during the late 1980s. It was a time of interesting events, and inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, it's the focal point for not just supreme focus, but for agony, unrelenting pain, and death. It's time for the Curious Kids Podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 23, The Maestro. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Some quick housekeeping. Shields. Shields! We're not talking about Star Trek. We're not talking about gladiatorial fighting we're talking about the agents of shield podcast which all of you should be subscribed to and listening to regularly because the quality on that show that's going on over there is where i wish this show would have eventually gotten to i i can see that yeah for those that aren't following it we just finished reviewing what i think is one of the most complete and satisfying episodes of television you and i have both ever watched yes and that's why we're urging all of you to go and check out the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast or at agentsofshield.tv to check out our review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Again, that's agentsofshield.tv. Now, oh, enough of housekeeping. Let's get straight to the retail for this episode, Season 2, Episode 23, The Maestro. Two people, breathing heavily, and a cane, thudding, thudding. A man with a cane walks woefully towards two dancers in a dance studio who aren't able to keep up with the desired pace. He scorns them and then requires them to dance more for him. He winds up a strange classical wooden music box on the table across from the dancers. It's old. It's definitely classic. It's a symphonia. A 19th century mechanical music player, but this one is obviously a former product of Uncle Lewis, cursed by the devil. 
The compelling music coming from the symphonia makes the two continue to dance. The dance maestro, his name is Anton, videotapes their efforts as they continue. Art lasts forever. Dance! They do so, straining and dancing and straining and dancing some more until... <gasps> Both jump out the picture glass windows to their deaths many floors below. I didn't think the choreography was that bad. Anton halts the symphonia and closes the wooden top and snap to the dance recital hall, where our courageous trio, Jack, Mickey, and Ryan, along with Jack's incredibly cute but still somehow 18-year-old Canadian actress niece, Gracie, are settling in to enjoy the show that features the insertion of two new understudies. You see, apparently the two lead dancers decided to kill themselves in a tandem suicide event last night. Huh? The show must and does go on. Backstage, a woman, Anna, has to talk to Anton, the maestro. He affirms that Anna can't do the dance. I decide who dances and when. Please give me one more chance. You're not good enough. However, I do admire your dedication. Perhaps you can help me block the next steps. Come to my studio tonight after everyone leaves. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. The strange show continues. It's dark. It's strange. And strangely hypnotic. The show ends and everyone claps, in particular Jack's niece, Grace, who is apparently a dancer herself. My, isn't that convenient? That's the whole reason why they're there. Bravissima! Bravo! Anton the Maestro takes a bow to the crowd, and now it's time for the young lass Gracie to meet the Maestro himself. And they meet. The Maestro welcomes Gracie. Hello. Hello. The Maestro welcomes Grace, Jack's niece, into his dance troupe and establishes the new rules and details. My, every word is your command. All right. You see, the legend of Shiva is being prepared next week. Time for Gracie to study something called a VHS tape that she'll need to focus on to improve her dancing skills. Jack Marshak, man of noticing incredibly rare antiques action, admires the symphonia inside Anton's dressing room, but the door to that attention span is closed by Anton. I see potential in you. You have to be willing to sacrifice everything. See you tomorrow. And Gracie and Jack depart. Back at the Curious Kids shop, Gracie is poring over the rehearsal VHS tape to learn the dance moves, to instill the training and dance steps needed to make the perfect show. And she must study. Back at Anton's dance studio, Anna shows up and the expectations are high. Anton ushers her to the symphonia. I dedicate my body and soul to the dance. She murmurs, and now it's time for Anna to dance. Follow the music, Anna. Let it lead you. The symphonia continues. Anton captures it all on videotape. Please make it stop. I need more. Show me. Show me what it tells you to do. Anna continues straining, and then it happens. She swings and contorts, but then she starts to bleed from the nose and then the eyes, and then she collapses to the ground. 
Anton hobbles towards her to see what has become of her, and she is gone. I knew you didn't have the heart of a dancer. After the commercial break, we see Gracie and Ryan who have once again taken the time to meet the demanding maestro. The only thing you lack is technique, and you'll make up for it with heart. Ryan's going to pick her up later, and off Ryan shuffles. Today, we begin the compilation of the legend of Shiva. Take your places. Hmm. No Anna. And apparently, Anna has left the building and the dance company. Hmm. Time to go over a few new moves that Anton has developed since the last rehearsal. Back inside the Curious Good Shop, after poring over many, many pages to satisfy that strange feeling he's been having all night, Jack finds the Symphonia inside the manifest. Could it be a coincidence? Not likely. Strange that the two leads inside the dance troupe kill themselves as they're running towards the pinnacle of success. Hmm, that's strange, that's weird, but it kind of fits for everything inside this series. Is it? Is it strange, Mike? Not really. You, you find it strange? No, not really. Back inside the dance studio, I need faster tempo! Faster! Dive! Dive into the floor! It's the story of life and death creating each other. You must suffer agony to create art! He rages against all the dancers, except, of course, young Gracie, whom he holds with the soft hand of approval and secret desire. Teacher's pet, teacher's pet. Back at the Curious Kid shop, Jack is phoning people this way and that, and finally finds the person that previously owned the Symphonia is dead. No more information can be found, but now Anton is using it to choreograph his programming. Mickey and Jack are going to visit the mother of the man who died. Do you know where it might be? The woman admits that her son gave it to Anton. They used to be dancers in the same dance company together, but then Anton got injured because he pushed himself to the limit. Jeff gave him the music box, and then Anton worked him to the bone. He was only 25 years old, and the doctor said that he died from a heart attack. That Monster danced my son to death! Thanks for the 411, lady, and by the way, it's not a music box, it's a symphonia! Back at the studio, Anton continues to share the details of the new program. This is the final section where you will meet death. You and death embracing. I haven't written the last set yet, but are you ready to learn this next section? Yes, maestro. The music starts! Now, dance! Dance just for death! Ryan arrives to pick up Gracie and finds a dude giving the dancers massages, working on their strained muscles. And Ryan starts asking questions, pointed questions. They tersely answer his pointed questions. However, no one can answer the big question. Where's Anna? Who still cannot be reached? Hmm, very strange. Hmm, that's odd. Eh, not really. The masseuse and dancers are obviously appreciative of Anton and his high bars of quality, but there is pressure. 
Back inside the studio, Anton continues to work Gracie towards perfection. From the first time I saw you dance, I knew that you were born to be a great dancer. You are rare. One or two in every century. I want you to be the best. I want to teach you everything I know. You must focus on the dance. You must live with it. Every moment of it in your life. I want you to move in with me inappropriately because I'm absolutely older than you are, but that doesn't matter because it's art. I can do great things with you. I bet. And the two move to the symphonia and he beseeches her to say these words. I dedicate my body and soul to the dance. You will be immortal. I'll see to it. Later, Gracie and Ryan arrive back at the shop, and the news is shared. It's time to move in with Anton and learn more great dance moves. Uncle Jack isn't buying it, but apparently, Grace trusts Anton. Ryan wonders what they found out. Jack and Mickey detail all of what's going on. Seems that they've compiled a manila envelope filled with newspaper clippings that show that There have been a number of suicides and disappearances uh, revolving around Anton's dance troupe. But of course, uh, none of it looks suspicious at all. Six people have died so far, but mm, what about Grace? Maybe the Symphonia gives them just as much choreography as they can survive? As Grace watches and learns more from the dance video VHS tape, She is enamored with the video of the previous dancers. All dead. At the studio the next day, Anton is announcing the principal actor of this entire show. Grace is announced as the principal dancer? The other female dancer, Susan, is incensed and begins to complain to Anton and then he smacks her. If you cannot accept my image of Shiva, then get out and dance for someone else. Will she create your last five minutes for you? I know I can complete that dance. Come to my studio tonight and we'll see about that. Ryan and Mickey, air quotes arrive. (laughs) Burgle? Uh Uh-uh. They can't burgle. The door was open. Oh. Ryan and Mickey find an open door at Anna's apartment and enter. Unfortunately, the apartment is abandoned, left as if someone just disappeared one day after going to work or to dance. What happened to her? Suitcases are in place. What happened to her? They open one side of the closets, hmm, full of clothes as if she hadn't planned to leave or go anywhere. What happened to her? They open the other side of the closet and (gasps) it's Anna, who has apparently hanged herself because she wasn't strong enough to deal with the stresses and forces of the high standards of dancing for Anton. Allegedly. Back at the Curious Good Shop, Mickey and Ryan share Anna's fate with Jack, and now it's time to dash Gracie's dreams. The dream dashing conversation goes well. Oh. She'll stay at the shop rather than moving in with Anton. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, no, she won't. Back at the studio, however, things are not going well for the wannabe female dancer, Susan. Anton begins his symphonia, and what's this? Grace is sneaking in to witness Susan, whose performance is being videotaped by Anton. 
Susan continues, and like the previous dancers, cannot stop. The music is too compelling. She groans in agony and cannot stop. She must continue dancing. It's not finished. And as she does a cartwheel, she tumbles through a conveniently but ill-placed giant ass mirror and is impaled on a massive shard of now broken mirror. But why didn't you finish it for me, Susan? You call yourself a dancer? You're nothing! And Grace is horrified! Uh, Allegedly. The next day, Anton is sharing the news and pain of Susan dying with his remaining troop and wonders, Where's Grace? Oh, there she is, but she's late. Are you ready? Yes, maestro, of course. The rehearsal begins and continues. The music is a strange jam for sure as they arrive to the finale. But there isn't one because Anton hasn't finished writing it yet. The dancers on stage exclaim, But we open tonight, maestro. Clear the stage. And they do. Ryan is inside of Anton's dressing room, picking locks, seeking out the symphonia, and Anton arrives. (gasps) What are you doing here? Get the hell out of here! Once alone, Anton immediately goes for the symphonia that's inside of a different unlocked drawer and calls for Grace. Grace! Grace arrives inside of his dressing room and the final duet will have to be improvised. Can you do it? Let the music lead you. Let it do the work. I was hoping to save you for a while, not to put you in this position, but it has to be. Anton and Grace kiss and moan, and then a curtain raises, and the evening begins. Jack, Mickey, and Ryan are game planning the hunt for the Symphonia. They start talking about the videotapes, and could it be that Anton has actually videotaped their deaths? They review the tape, and hmm, all of them are on this tape, but the ends of the videos of each of those dancers, they aren't here. The dances are captured in segments. Finally, they surmise that the last segment of the dance is going to be performed and apparently paid for with Grace's life. Shortly thereafter, the rolls, the bends, is stuck in traffic. And so Mickey and Ryan run to the dance hall. Run, Ryan, run. Anton is watching the kooky sounding dance. And as Grace makes a costume transition, Mickey and Ryan grab Gracie but are interrupted by the cane-wielding Anton, who realizes that it's time to begin a live final finale. But he knocks Ryan completely out with that cane of his. Kerthunk! He then Claude hops onto stage with the symphonia. The audience is silent in awe. He winds the symphonia and then flips the switch to play. I dedicate my body and soul to the dance. Anton puts on the mask of death and tosses away his cane. He begins the dance with grace. The memories of the previous dancers thrashing through his mind as he does so. The dancing is passionate. The imagery is raw. Blood begins to flow from he and grace's mouths, then noses, then eyes as they spin. They continue spinning on the dance floor, and finally he collapses as both die. 
Jack finally arrives and is able to halt the Symphonia's cursed melody, and the audience slowly begins to clap. But it's too late for Grace and Anton. Despite their efforts and the death, the item featured inside this episode is... Recovered! Our three intrepid heroes arrive back at the Curious Goods shop, and Jack is enraged, seeking something to wipe the blood off the Symphonia, but can't be consoled! Mickey says, You can't blame yourself, Jack. No one could have convinced you to do anything else. And Jack breaks, begins to sob, as does Mickey. And this episode concludes. Every episode of Friday the 13th has goods and bads. It's time to focus on the good. Anton. Comfior. Wow. This dude's got game, and this was in the 80s, dude. So long-ass time ago, and had game back then that has continued into some very impressive and impactful roles as an actor. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I don't know how early in his career it is, because he also comes from a Shakespearean background, Mm -hmm. so he was probably doing a lot of theater before this, Mm -hmm. but, I mean, he is a renowned Canadian actor and has been in a shit ton. Oodles, yeah. I mean, sometimes in, in, in leading roles, sometimes in supporting roles, but he's one of those character actors that could, you can slip him in anything and he can pull it off for yeah. you. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate the abilities that he has. And I think what I also love is that the ability to take on the physical acting, mm, again, yeah. it, it kind of stretches into something that we talk about in some of our other podcast programs, which is the ability to do and say things without saying anything. Mm. And he does a lot of that physicality inside this episode really from the inception of the episode to the end of the episode. It's very well done, and we I totally appreciated him inside this episode. The item. Wow, a Symphonia. Man, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have easily just had a, oh, it's a music box. It's a cursed music box. Ooh. But this is visually interesting as well because mm-hmm. it's also something – incredibly older mm-hmm. than just a regular music box. Yeah, and I think what I really like, too, is the the machinations of it in that there are all kinds of pointy, spiky pieces to mm, the thing. Yeah. And just the, the look of the thing also, for those of you that don't know what this looks like, in fact, we'll have a link in the show notes so you can go look at a picture of one or many of them that we've we found on the internet. But the one featured here is very, very interesting looking. Super classic piece of technology from obviously an era long gone by and becomes the perfect focus for an item that is cursed by the devil. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. What I also liked about it, too, was the simplicity of how it works. Yeah. Yeah. There is a there is a, a promise that is made by the people that are impacted by it. And the promise is death. And it's done. The only thing that didn't make any sense to me where the episode was concerned, where the item was involved was. If the Jeff guy who gave the Symphonium to Anton didn't know anything about the curse, how did Anton find out about it? Because you have to do that whole swearing mm. on it, and then it's the it, it makes you dance and you get to learn new choreography. Mm. It's but but the thing is the the episode is so layered with intrigue from the characters, not necessarily the story. It's the performances in the story mm-hmm. that that make this one such a compelling episode. But 
you don't think about it until you have time to think about it. You don't think about it while you're watching the episode. It's after the episode is done and you start thinking, well, but how did he find out that you had to swear on the box? And and, and that's how you get what you need. Yeah. I, I think what I got from this was that, and again, we know nothing about Jeff except that he too was a dancer and was right. 25 years old. So we don't know a lot about him. But that I, 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 I kind of think of it this way is that the Symphonia spoke to Anton, hmm. where maybe it didn't speak to to Jeff because right. he just wasn't in that frame of mind. And or, I could buy that. I could yeah. totally buy that. Maybe maybe it's also based on you know having to be in the right frame of mind and being a damaged dancer. It's a completely different frame. And it of calls mind. out to you and yeah. gives you what you need. Yeah. yeah. Gracie dies. Yeah. Well, the. <laughs> The length of life meter for friends and family of one Jack Marshak suck officially. Oh, well, true. I feel the reason why this is a talking point in the goods is it's unexpected. Oh, I agree. It, I, I, one, I love it. Any, any. Uh, well, again, it makes it I, more impactful, the, especially yeah, the totally ending. It makes, makes it more impactful. impactful. Yeah. Not only that, but and Mike is not the bloodthirsty one of the group here. Believe me. But when you can see a young, beautiful woman that is just kind of inserted inside the episode. I did not expect her to die, like, at all. Right. And look, she's dead at the end. Because the only people in Jack's life who die are either ex-friends that try to screw him over, ex-army buddies, or an ex-love. And this is a, and it's not even his real niece. It's a friend of his daughter who, who, they're evidently so close that she refers to him as Uncle Jack. So you're thinking, okay, well, they're not going to kill the 18-year-old who's trying to make it on her own as a dancer. Oh, yes, they are. And yes, they are. They do. <laughs> and it was like, holy crap. And I think the ending, the button on the episode with Jack just just losing it at the shop shows how how these items and their hunt for them just wreck these characters sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's it's moments like that that really show the humanity and the heroism of these characters putting their lives on the line to try to re- retrieve these items and look at the damage that it does around them. Yeah, I think the choice to kill Gracie was a pretty daring one, and, and it was appreciated inside this episode for sure. That's where we ask you guys, what did you guys find that was good inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com, fill out that quick web form, and tell us what you thought was good about this episode. Every episode of Friday the 13th comes with goods and bads. We've covered the goods. Now let's take a look at some of the not-so-goods. Artsy, fartsy. My esteemed and cultured (laughs) co-host was extremely adamant about putting this in in the bads. Yeah. Uh, Art, we'll just say it right up front. We're going to put it right here on Front Street. Art is subjective. What some people like, other people don't understand or get at all. It was very obvious that in this episode, as uh, as it was referred to in the retelling, the the wacky? Kooky. Kooky, that's what it was. That was the word used. Kooky dancing was definitely not Mike Wilkerson's flavor of soda pop. <laughs> <laughs> That's very well said. I, I could add on more. Oh, wait, I will add on more. Of course he will. When I first arrived here in St. Louis in 1992, 
the next year I took a cartooning class at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. And I had a ton of fun doing it. And the reason I did is because it was the one time I was able to craft a piece of a real comic book. Mm -hmm. My piece of the comic book was entitled Art Hunt. And it's exactly what it sounds like, where it was my then pseudonym, Captain Mike, who would, with his giant phaser rifle, seek out new art and new civilization to boldly make sure that no one goes there again. Mm -hmm. And it was Captain Mike destroying all of this stuff that people would label art that was kind of just twisted metal that had these really interesting kooky, goony titles that didn't make much sense, and they got paid a lot of money for it. And Of course, as a, as a professional cartoonist, it gets paid nothing for making something you can look at, read, and understand instantaneously. Uh, I, I don't have an appreciation. I don't, it doesn't mean it, I, it's not appreciated by others, but I don't have an appreciated, appreciation of just kind of kooky, twisted metal stuff. And the music that was featured here, not the dancing. The dancing is an athletic achievement. There's no no question there. It's, the music is goony to me. I, I hear this music and it's weird. And it, <laughs> it doesn't do anything for me. I, I kind of like the, the, the concept of interpretive dance. But when I think of interpretive dance, I think about a Saturday Night Live episode where they go, you know, I, I believe that we'll establish this court case in an interpretive dance. <laughs> okay, well, of course you will. And that's that's kind of why I throw it into that category, not because I don't know other people appreciate it, because they do. Uh, I know that people appreciate the art that I would if I had a phaser rifle shoot and destroy. People, some other people do appreciate that. I just don't. And I didn't appreciate nor have much value for the, the music that was featured inside this lineup. But when we look at the whole, the music fits the episode perfectly. If you played any of that music, but does right it? Can, now, but but the but then does it constitute as a bad? If if because because the ending of your statement says it fits with the episode, so why put it in the bad if it fits in the episode? Oh, because I don't like heartsy fartsy kooky dance, <laughs> goony crazy music stuff. I don't like it. Okay, so so you're saying even though it it fit perfectly with the episode, it detract for you. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's in the bad. Yeah, if it, if it was something like, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I have to admit to everybody, I am not steeped in opera, I'm not steeped in dance music, mm -hmm. blah, all that. I don't know a lot of, about any of that. And so, if you ask me, do you appreciate the music that you're hearing? No, I. If I had my druthers and a Saturday evening, I would choose to not listen to any of that. Okay, right. So, now where do we go? I, I, I think. I think we'll just end it there with Mike is a art snob. <laughs> Dear law enforcement, I'm not going to say that I would make a great cop, uh, although my detective skills are awesome because I am referred to at home as the Batman. <laughs> Because I figure shit out, and my wife yeah. is is usually amazed at how. How did you know that? Is yeah, it, I was because just, I'm Batman. Yeah, <laughs> I was just wondering if perhaps maybe at your house you could figure out. I don't know, maybe the smell of a three day old dead body. I'm pretty much guessing you could. 
Uh, well, right. Right. I mean. Okay. Well, not our intrepid duo. <laughs> it's it's not even that. I mean, yes, there should have been a pungent Where is she? smell. The place is absolutely empty. What is that horrific smell? I don't know. That's unimportant right now. Let's check our suitcases. <laughs> okay. The the smell should have been a factor, but even before that, with the fact that Mickey, Ryan, and Jack. Not even Ryan. Ryan wasn't even involved. The fact that Mickey and Jack found all the newspaper clippings about the deaths and disappearances of everybody revolving around Anton's troop and all of these suicides and missing persons. (laughs) You're not telling me that there's at least one detective in any of the frickin' police stations in the area that wouldn't go, hmm, hmm. A little suspicious. (laughs) Maybe we should look a little bit closer at this Anton character. But evidently, no. Because Anton has been able to make all of these deaths look like suicides. Right. Even though he's got a bad leg. How the hell is he carrying bodies into apartments and putting them in nooses inside their, their, their closets with the use of only one good arm because the other one has got that cane? Huh? I don't know. He was able to do the spinny helicopter action at the end. That was because... Death throws. Well, it wasn't the death throws. It was the symphonium controlling his body. Mm -hmm. He had no control. Right. So it doesn't matter if he had a wonky leg. The incredibly ornate and old music box was making him move. It didn't matter. Right. So are you saying that he had another cursed item that allowed him to have... Mm -hmm. Herculean strength and not a gimpy leg? No, I think it was the throes of death, i.e., I'm going to be dead soon, and so I'm. That let him hide bodies. Every we're on the body thing here, man. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the helicopter dance at the end. Well, that has nothing to do with law enforcement. Where are you? (laughs) Mickey's uselessness, and uselessness is kind. If we look at this episode in our character band, not so awesome. Everything falls apart at the end. Yeah. For our yeah, yeah. for the, for the characters for for Mickey and Ryan. Yeah. Uh, okay, Ryan getting knocked out with the cane, fine. Okay, I get that cuz Anton is a violent man. We saw it oh, in yeah. the episode. Yeah. I mean, mostly he's beaten up on women. But okay, so he's knocked out. Great, but Mickey like throws herself on the floor to protect Ryan. So evidently Mickey just stays on top of Ryan, uh, protecting him while I don't know, Anton Goonie. goes and, and does the, the final finale. I don't know, it was Goonie. All she had to do was get up and stop the damn thing from playing. And Anton is defeated, and Grace is, is safe and alive. And then you can club Anton to death with his cane. Done. Right. But but we so don't blood, get that. Blood spat on Mickey's face. We all let, Everybody we, we let him die. We, we just let him die. And I find that to be probably the the most egregious part of this episode is she should have been incapacitated too so that we didn't have to think this way because if she had been knocked out as well it's like oh, okay well there's nobody that can stop him i think she should have slammed the top of the box closed and then sweep the leg which one the bad one or the good one both well that's what we thought were bad inside this episode of friday the 13th the series but we want to know what you thought could have used a little bit of polish Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com, fill out the web form, and let us know what you thought could use some work. 
It's time to take a break here during the Curious Goods podcast, our review of Season 2, Episode 23, The Maestro. We'll be right back. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be, ugh, rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content, and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the voice box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 23, The Maestro. Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick and I to focus on our manifest moments. The manifest moments are where Nick and I take either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element inside the episode, or something else that tripped our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what have you got? My manifest moment for this episode has got to be the ending. And and when I say the ending, I mean like the last three minutes of the program. We don't get a chance to see how hard doing this job is for Jack, Ryan, and Mickey often. You know, it, something very impactful has to happen for them to actually take time out in the episode and actually show how exhausted this whole hunt for cursed items is. Oh, yeah. And especially when somebody loses somebody close to them. Uh, we've seen it a handful of times, uh, especially with Ryan, because, you know, Ryan... He hasn't had it. He hasn't had a girlfriend in a while for this season. But uh, you know, anybody Ryan dated, they either usually end up dead, <laughs> or he can never see them again for right. reasons. 
<laughs> for reasons. That's perfect. But we but we rarely see like a a just gut wrenching emotional response, and we get one here from Jack. And I gotta say, a round of applause to Chris Wiggins for the performance given here because it's very short. But wow, he goes from full on rage to completely crushed emotionally in in just a matter of moments and i i I wanted to i know we talked about it a little bit in in the goods and the bads but i i felt we really needed to focus on his performance and that's my manifest moment that's a really good manifest moment nick i think i've got to go with the obsessed passion of a dancer i've only met dancers previously i don't i don't know any i don't have any that are close to me Mm -hmm. but what i do notice inside of almost all of them is that they have a resonating passion that is very hard to describe but all of them have one that i would consider an obsession Mm -hmm. in, in that it's there's a deeper want to do something with their dance skills even if they don't have the skill set or the it's not that everybody can't achieve but very often, if you're born somewhere in the Midwest, which is where I've lived most of my lives, and I've met these dancers that want to be professional dancers, the odds are not good. If you thought the odds were small inside of, say, professional sports, well, it's even smaller inside of elite dance troops. Mm-hmm. There's a very, very slim margin for supremacy yeah. inside of elite dancing. And so very often when you find the people that are at the top of the echelon, they are very driven and and that piece of obsession was something that was showcased inside of this episode outright. Oh, yeah. Man. It wasn't just that I wanted to get the dance opportunity to lead this. Was, that's not all it was. It was mm. something that's another level up. What I appreciated about all the dancers inside this episode is that that obsession, that, that something else that levels up what they can and could do because of someone like Anton, it's real. Yeah, oh, yeah. And... That, that's what I that's what I garnered from this is that not only is it real, it's what Anton used as building blocks to supremacy with the Symphonia. Yeah, because everything he's doing is not good, but it's all based on that intriguingly deep obsessive passion that all of these people have. So kudos on that. That's where we ask you, what was your manifest moment for this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and do tell us what your manifest moment was. Vocabulary. Ah, vocabulary. The words that make our world go round inside the world of Friday the 13th. We've got two entries this episode. The first one is... Symphonian. Now, don't be confused from this word. While the episode actually uses symphonia as the the player, I guess because it sounds more like Victrola. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why they did that. The actual word that we were able to find and deduce with our with Nick's impressive detective skills on the intertubes. I'm Batman. Anyway, the words are different. The connotation is the same, and when we looked at the uh, the shopping page that talks about Symphonia or Symphonians, as we're calling it inside this vocabulary call, the cost of these things is not cheap, dude. Well, no, I mean they're they are antiques. 
The one, the lowest price for one that I see here that is on eBay, which doesn't mean anything, is fifteen hundred dollars. But I, I easily can see things that range into the three thousand, sixty five hundred dollars, twenty thousand dollars. Twenty thousand dollars, yeah. That is amazing. What I also really enjoy about this, this would have been one of those things that my dad really would have appreciated, because all of these things that I'm looking at, they harken back to, to steampunk. All of them have very much the, you know, the ornate metal something. Right. But then it's surrounded by wood. And then there's all kinds of angles and levers and hinges and all kinds of other stuff. It's it's incredibly compelling. And I think that's why I really enjoyed the item inside of this episode. So anyway, we've talked about how the words are different. The definition of a symphonia is a 19th century mechanical music player. The second word featured inside this episode is... Choreography. And thanks to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com, choreography is defined as a show involving artistic dancing and kooky music. Hmm. I guess it doesn't have kooky music on there. The second definition is the representation of dancing by symbols as music is represented by notes. And then the last item that's included here is a notation used by choreographers. So choreography, thrilling. That's not my definition. What's your definition, Nick? Choreography is in any in anything dealing with dance. Choreography is the dance moves represented in said dance number. Mm. So your friends over at visualthesaurus.com are wrong. And that's where we ask you guys, what vocabulary did you recognize inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website again. That's CuriousKidsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and let us know what you think. Episode rating. Ah, the rating inside this episode of the Curious Kids Podcast. Our scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. A knee-slapping single that you can put onto your own symphonian and dance to all night until your nose bleeds. A one is on the bottom of the scale, choosing that you can't listen to this podcast anymore and jumping out a giant picture window. Please don't do that. Yeah, don't do any of that. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick... There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? For me, this episode could have been perfect. It almost was perfect. We had some great performances by our our villain. Mm-hmm. We had a really interesting cursed item. We had the obsession for perfection where the performances were, were concerned. The need from Jack to protect his not-niece- from the horrors of the world, because she was only 18. Mm-hmm. And we get we get a whole bunch of really great stuff in this episode, but I cannot get over these two major hurdles in the writing, whereas the police work is ridiculous. <laughs> the police, there is no police. Right. It, there it, is no police. It's and Chop there Canada. should have been police. <laughs> it's, it's just not miss, it's I missing. I mean, for one thing, that whole studio should have been shut down because you had two people leap to their deaths from it. 
I mean, and and then a few days later, you've got somebody else who impales themselves in a mirror on a mirror, a shattered mirror. I'm sorry, sir, but your little dance troupe, we're shutting it down. Yeah, kaput. Right. This whole place is is hazardous to people's health. <laughs> Shut it down. And then and then we've got the. I get we wanted to have that that epic dance number, the finale, to put the crescendo on this episode. I get that. But we needed to immobilize our heroes so that it could happen. All we did was knock one of them out, and one was in the car trying to find a place to park. So he was late. What the fuck was Mickey doing? <laughs> and that is just watching the show instead of running out there and stopping the music. And I cannot forgive that. So with those two giant glaring issues... My rating for this episode is an eight. That's interesting. I'm mulling over what you've said in my mind, and I, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll throw another log on the burning bonfire pyre that we've made here. And With all these dead bodies of, of dancers. You know, what, what happened to let's not bother going to, quote, get grace. Let's just turn off the machine. Yeah. What if they just, what if they didn't grab her? They weren't anywhere near where Anton could get them. They just go get the Symphonian or when it is playing, they stop the Symphonian yeah. from playing. And I, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's where the, 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 the want of common sense inside of what obviously is not a commonsensical situation doesn't make much sense. But it's frustrating when you, when you, when you have something like that inside the episode and you can't separate the two because it would make the story infinitely more interesting and commonsensical. And the thing is, is that when the show's done right, it, it works because by playing everything else commonsensical, we're able to accept the supernatural aspect of the cursed object. Mm -hmm. And when you don't do that, when you when you treat it like it's stupid, well, we're going to have to call out the things that are stupid in your storytelling. Yeah, no, that's totally accurate. And again, I love the item. Item mm -hmm. is item is on point. The villain is extraordinary. Yep, I, I super kick-ass villain here. Uh, but you've got to get the story and the pacing put together. And I think maybe that's what also I think detracted with the the goony kooky music is that mm. it instantly kicks the pace. It's a nutshot to the pace. Mm. Okay. It, it it instantly, while it is strange and it is fittingly appropriate what it does not do is it does not propel the episode it doesn't drive storytelling and for me especially inside this show because i'm not the big horror guy i need the story to work so i give this episode a six that's where we ask you guys what did you rate this episode season two episode 23 the maestro let us know what you think by going over to our website, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you thought. Everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast, our focus on Season 2, Episode 23. Before we end here, Mike, i got to interrupt you. Before yeah. we end, mm -hmm. I, I want to let everybody know, and you, yeah. more importantly, I want to let you know, Mike. Oh. Uh, while you were blathering on about, you know, your rating and how subpar it was, I actually stumbled across a new app. Oh, really? Yeah, it's out of Canada. Mm. It's called CurseSymphonia.com. Wow. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, Out I of Canada, to... you said. Out of Canada. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, all the best stuff comes out of Canada. Kooky. 
So I haven't listened to any of it yet, but I figured uh, we could let the audience, but more importantly, you, take a listen. Sure, sure. Wide open to wide open to interpretation, Nick. All right, here we go. Nick, I, I have this inexplicable need to to put on ballet slippers. Are they pink, Mike? They are. I Where did these pink. come from? Yes. I think they also came from Canada. Dance for me, Mike. I can't stop dancing. I more need to dance. Dance more. And pirouette. I'm pirouetting. Yes. And spin. I'm spinning. Yes. Spin I'm right spinning. into that giant monitor. And spinning. <laughs> I'm the maestro now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. From the last time I saw you dance, I knew... From the first time I saw you dance. <laughs> From the last time I saw you... What? Wait a minute. That was ten that minutes ago. Right. I'm so sorry. You were just dancing. I knew you were good before that. <laughs> I knew you were good ten minutes ago, but now... You're really good. <laughs> in fact, you need to move in with me. That because ten minutes so changed everything. I would like to introduce our new dancer, Spicoli. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hand, I was wondering if I could do a parapet for you, dude. It's not on the page, man. I know. Stop improv! Improv! Stop this is not an improv troupe. This is troop. improv! It's an this improv thing. This is not an improv troupe. It's a <laughs> dance troupe. God damn it, read the script. Jeff, my son, if you didn't know that already. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, the mother would say something like that. Right. Well, you know, exposition and all. 